Well, good morning. You know, we would have to agree that one of the most well-known passages of Scripture that a lot of us have heard or maybe we've memorized uh, that we love so much is the 23rd Psalm. And uh, today we're going to look at this famous chapter of Scripture, primarily just one verse, but uh, I thought it would be good. Is it ringing? It's just me. I thought it would be good for us to read the passage together, the 23rd Psalm. Now, when I learned this many, 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 many years ago, uh, I memorized it from the King James Version. All right? So we're going to do that today. So get ready with the THs and the thous, and we're going we're gonna to do it. So it will be on the screen. Let's read the 23rd Psalm together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want... He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Tell your neighbor they did a good job, all right? Getting those THs and those thous. You know, we've heard this chapter read many times. We probably have read it many times ourselves. And when we know a passage of Scripture very well, we have the tendency to just kind of, ah, well, that was nice. kind of makes me feel good. And then we move on. Uh, But there is some powerful uh, meaning in this passage, a comforting word for us. You see, God uses the writer to announce his incredible promise to care and to provide for those who follow him. He cherishes them and gives them his perfect and unfailing love. And he shows himself as a loving father who cares for his children, as a shepherd who takes care of his sheep. In verse 4, we see this statement. Of the valley of the shadow of death. The valley of the shadow of death. What is that? (laughs) What is the author referring to when he states the valley or the shadow of death? You know, I don't want to be trite or too simple today, but have you ever had a bad day? I mean a really bad day. Have you ever had a a crummy week. <laughs> what about a long, dry, lonely month? Have you ever had just a plain, tough year? Have you ever felt that you were walking through Death Valley? Will this ever end? Will I be able to get beyond this struggle, this trial, this disappointment? 
How long will this grief last? How long will this dark season be a part of my life? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Here is the staggering reality. Faithfulness to God does not guarantee that a person's life will be free from trouble, from pain, and suffering. Now, there is some teaching out there. Uh, Maybe you've heard it. You know, uh, we live in victory, and we do live in victory. And if you have a problem, you just claim deliverance, and in the name of Jesus, you will be set free, and hallelujah. Okay? But there are seasons of our lives when the valley is like death. And you feel all alone. You know, Jesus even taught us that we are to expect difficulty and challenge in this life. Even persecution. Throughout the New Testament, we are told numerous times that trials and sufferings are good and that we are to rejoice when we go through difficult times. Yay! Why? Because troubles can cause us to grow as we persevere and as we endure. In fact, the early Christians saw suffering as a privilege. As they suffered, they were becoming more like Christ. Their perspective, their attitude was, bring on the trials, bring on the suffering. Many of these early Christians had this kind of attitude, this kind of statement, before they were being thrown in the lion's den, they would say this, today I begin to be a Christian. Have you ever thought about it? But the founding of America was born out of the persecution of Christians. Again, a staggering reality is this. A painful experience can bring destruction or blessing depending on how we respond. Aren't you glad you came to church today? We're going to talk about how to get through Death Valley. But so true. A painful experience can bring destruction or blessing depending on how you and I respond to it. The problem is that most of us spend our time trying to figure out the why. (laughs) That is our nature. The why. Why are we suffering instead of deciding how do we respond in a biblical way? Dwelling on the cause can leave us bitter toward God because we will never, never fully understand the reasons or even begin to comprehend what the reasons could be. And the Bible teaches us over and over to concentrate on how we can grow closer to God through difficult and painful struggles. So here's the real issue. The real issue for us should not be, why am I going through this? Why me? Why me? The main focus should be, how should I respond to this trial so that I I can become all that God wants me to be? Probably one of the most difficult challenges in life. 
And as we journey today, I am very mindful that many in this room, maybe many watching through the live stream, maybe an auditorium too, many of you have walked through very difficult seasons of your life. And I do not minimize the pain and the heartache that you've had to go through. However, today I want to remind us of God's promises. Now, I want to go back and I want to reread the 23rd Psalm. But this time, no THs and no thous. That was kind of fun. But let me read to you from a paraphrase called The Message. Follow along as I read from The Message, the 23rd Psalm. God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. You have bedded me down in lush meadows. You find me quiet pools to drink from. True to your word, you let me catch my breath and send me in the right direction. Even when the way goes through Death Valley, I'm not afraid. When you walk at my side, your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel secure. You serve me a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. You revive my drooping head. My cup brims with blessing. Your beauty and love chase after me every day of my life. I'm back home in the house of God for the rest of my life. And so, again, in this passage, we go down to verse 4, and we see this statement. Even when the way goes through Death Valley. The actual Death Valley is considered the lowest point in the United States at minus 282 feet. Death Valley is a part of the Mojave Desert located in California near its border with Nevada. This region is known as one of the hottest and driest in the country. The average high temperature in uh, Death Valley is a calm, cool 113 degrees. But it's a dry heat. <laughs> you know, I had no desire, absolutely no desire to visit uh, Death Valley here in the United States. However, there will be seasons of our lives when we will feel like we are in the middle of Death Valley. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 tells us there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. And we love to laugh and we love to dance. But there are seasons of life where we are called to weep and mourn. And today... We want to talk about how we can deal with those times when we have to weep and mourn. Three lessons today that we can learn um, when we walk through Death Valley. We're going to do three today and then three uh, next Sunday. Three lessons from Death Valley. Here's number one. When we're taking a walk through Death Valley, it is a walk of dependency. It's a walk of dependency. Here's reality. You cannot jog through Death Valley. You cannot outrun Death Valley. Journeying through Death Valley is often a slow, long 
and painful walk. Journeying through Death Valley is often a dark and lonely time. You know, it's natural for us to move quickly, to want to get ahead of everything because that is our nature. You give me a shopping list, you give me a visit at the hospital, and you say go, and I go. And don't get in my way because I want to get to A and B as quickly as I can. I'm efficient. I want to be on time. I want to be there. I, want to, I don't browse around. I get the job done, and I am thrilled with my... Well, anyway, (laughs) that's my nature. That is our nature, is to always be in a hurry. But God wants us to walk through Death Valley. And the reason that we need to walk is because speed blurs. Speed blurs our thinking and our perspective. When we're running, when we're in a hurry, we don't think right. We're not listening to the voice of God When it's about our plans, our agenda, our purpose, and our to-do list. And so we walk. God wants to be enough. He wants to be everything for us in the midst of Death Valley. (laughs) Our rationale and our reasoning and our Christian bag of tricks will not work in Death Valley. In fact, the valley will mock our bag of tricks. Reaching for something else or someone else looking for direction somewhere else besides God will keep you in Death Valley longer. It is difficult to truly trust and depend on God when we are running ahead of him. Let me say that again. It is difficult to truly trust and depend on God when we are running ahead of him. And here's the good thing about walking and trusting God is walking creates dependency. It creates dependency on a God who is good, a God who is our shepherd, a God who is merciful and gracious and compassionate. Walking creates dependency on a God who is patient and slow to anger, a God who is faithful and just. Psalm chapter 13, verse 5, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. In Death Valley, here's a question for us. In Death Valley, Are we choosing to depend more on God in the journey or are we running ahead of him? So that's the first lesson. Here's lesson number two as we walk through Death Valley. Dryness produces intimacy. Dryness produces intimacy. Death Valley is tough. It's hot dry. It's an oven. 113 degrees. And during our journey, it is easy to feel alone. Questions plague our minds and doubt settles in. Thoughts of despair can be overwhelming. You may even have thoughts 
you've never had before. Death Valley is tough. However, in Death Valley, dryness in the valley creates desperation. Dryness in the valley creates desperation, and that's good. Now, some people have a hard time believing this, and I don't know why, but um, when, I, when I tell people this about, you know, what happened in college, they go, they, well, let me tell you. Like, when I was in college, during my summer, my, well, one summer, I went to school in southern Missouri. Um, I think it must have been after my senior year. I was waiting to get married. I don't know when it was, but it was, it was in Missouri. And it was hot, July. And I had a construction job. Now, some people just have a hard time. They think that's goofy. They're silly. <laughs> you? Construction? Yeah, I had a construction job. I worked one day and then I quit. <laughs> Not for me. Give me an air-conditioned office, okay? So, you know, it was my job on that one day in July uh, to... I had this, I had this important job. I... I um, um, I was the guy that picked all the stuff up off the ground and put it in the trash can, <laughs> okay, in the big dumpster. So, I mean, and my dad got me the job, and I felt kind of bad to quit, but I got over it. I mean, you know, so, but, you know, back in, back in that day, we didn't carry water bottles everywhere we went. There were no convenience stores around the corner. You just toughed it out. You just wet tough it out and you get your drink later so that's what i was doing so i get home and i pull up to the driveway and i see (laughs) the hose attached to the outside faucet i was desperate for a drink desperate i turned that faucet on i'm not exaggerating exaggerating i took that hose and for 20 minutes i just gulped water without even taking a breath i was parched desperate Despite the dryness, here is a good reality. In this desperation, the Lord's presence and his nearness can become the most precious company in life. Have you experienced that? His nearness and his presence is the greatest company in life. There was a song growing up that we would often sing in the church that I attended, um, I think in my teenage years. And um, if it's okay, I'd like to sing it for you today. Can I do that? All right, here it goes. I keep falling in love with him over and over and over and over again. I keep falling in love with him over and over and over and over again. Yes, he gets sweeter and sweeter as the years go by. Oh, what a love between my Lord and I. I keep falling in love with him over and over and over and over again. Oh, my goodness. I needed to wake some of you up. So, uh, <laughs> falling in love with him over and over again. Can I ask a personal question? Is that a foreign concept to you? Being in love with Jesus, 
falling in love with Jesus. Is, 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 that, is that foreign? See, I, I have a bit of a concern. <laughs> I'm concerned today that in the church culture, we don't have this intimacy with Christ. We're not desperate to become like him. We, we, we don't love, I mean, we love worship. We love good teaching. We love the church programs. We love the 419. But do we really have a love relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ? Oh, we like Jesus. We, we, he's cool. We admire him. We may even respect him. But when was the last time you said in your private time, Jesus, I love you. I love you, Jesus. I want to be more in love with you today than I was yesterday. A foreign concept? I hope not. If you were to ask me, so why do you love Jesus? Well, this is what I would say. I love Jesus because he has saved my soul. I love Jesus because he has declared that I am righteous. I am righteous when I stand before a holy God because of what Jesus did on Good Friday 2,000 years ago. I love Jesus. He has given me purpose. His word has given me direction for my life. When I have been lonely, he has been my closest companion. He has healed my body. When I am afraid, he gives me courage. When I walk through Death Valley, he walks with me. When I screw up, oh my goodness, he forgives me over and over again. He has given me hope for my future. That is why I love Jesus. That is why I cry for a greater desperation to be in love with him. Let me give you a word of advice. Before you go through Death Valley, make sure you love Jesus. Make sure you have an intimate connection with him now and don't wait till you journey. If you are in Death Valley, allow the dryness of the valley to produce intimacy with you and Jesus. Dryness in the valley can create desperation. And desperation in the valley creates transformation. Desperation in the valley creates desperation. You realize there is more to life than this right here. (laughs) There is more to life than your plans, your agenda, your future, your pleasure, and so forth. It's all about the unseen. It's all about the eternal. 2 Corinthians 4.18 So we fix our eyes not on what we can see, but we fix our eyes on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. 
the best thing, the best thing that you can save for your future is your soul. You see, when we were created in our mother's womb, we were created with a body, a mind, and a soul. And many of us, as we live our lives, we focus so much attention on our bodies and our minds. And that's okay. I mean, God says to enjoy life, to have an abundant life. However, the pleasures and sorrows of this life tend to take us away from what really matters, and that is transformation. Transformation. We're so consumed with our lives and our dreams that we forget about the transformation of our soul. And that is the highest priority of our lives. Our soul can only live and prosper when we have a thriving, ongoing love relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. That is what our soul was created for. Many times, the only way to be transformed is through a walk in Death Valley hand-in-hand with Christ, learning to trust and depend totally on Him. Now, the Bible provides a large number of examples of godly people who have walked through Death Valley. And near the end of the book of Genesis, we read about a dysfunctional family Jacob is the patriarch of this family. It's a large family of boys. Many of you know the story. Jacob had two wives and children by two other women, a grand total of 12 sons by these four women. Dysfunction at its best. And it seemed that Jacob had long lost any control and authority over the ten eldest boys. These boys were ornery. These boys knew how to be tough and cruel and nasty. What they did well was to scheme and to fight. And they did not like one of their younger brothers. His name was Joseph. They were so jealous of Joseph, they wanted him out of the family, out of their lives, Forever, and I mean literally forever. And so what they did is they got rid of him, Joseph by selling him into slavery and then lying to their father Jacob about what they had done. That leads us to Genesis chapter 39. Let's look at this uh, family. Genesis 39 verse 1. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt... Potiphar, an Egyptian, who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. So the brothers schemed and they lied and they got rid of Joseph and the Ishmaelites bought him. And uh, scholars tell us that the Ishmaelites were not friendly people. More than likely, they took Joseph's feet and put him in shackles, jammed his neck with iron rods, and tied his hands as they led him on a long, wretched, and dangerous journey across the desert in Egypt. Joseph was literally walking through Death Valley. In Egypt, 
Joseph heard an unknown language, saw strange customs, and encountered an entirely different culture. But in verse 2, notice what the writer has to say. Genesis chapter 39 says this, The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. And he prospered. Now, how in the world do you prosper when you are a slave to the Ishmaelites? And I have read this story many, many times in my life. And then all of a sudden this, this week, the light bulb went on. Ding. You prosper. The way you prosper is through your personal transformation. You see, Joseph was becoming more like God because he chose he was going to take this trial, this struggle, and he was going to determine it was going to help him to be a better man of God rather than just a slave. And so he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. (laughs) Joseph had every reason to be depressed, to be resentful, to be miserable, to throw a pity party. And I'm sure he had a couple days of that. His brothers had sold him and tricked him, betrayed him. But in the midst of his slow and patient walk through Death Valley, Scripture states again that the Lord was with Joseph. Joseph was not walking alone through this valley. And because of God's presence upon Joseph and because of his willingness to allow God to use him, he rose to the top in the chain of command and he became the assistant to Potiphar. And Potiphar was the assistant to Pharaoh. So Joseph is just a couple steps down from the big dog and he chucked. Wow. Look what it says in verses 3 and 4. When his master saw that the Lord was with him, did you catch that? Potiphar, he could tell there's something different about this dude. The Lord is with him. How could he tell that? Mm. (laughs) But he could tell. The Lord was with Joseph, and then the Lord gave him success in everything he did. Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. You read another verse down. This is incredible. Another verse down, it says that all of Potiphar and his household was blessed because of Joseph. Is your workplace blessed because you're there? Because you're making a difference? Because your attitude is right? And that's a whole other message, okay? Joseph became a changed man, a model slave, and a matchless worker. He made a decision that despite this walk through Death Valley, despite my mistreatment, despite this pain, this disappointment, this trial, I choose to be transformed by the power of the living God. And that's what happened. And we read that Potiphar, as I said, could tell that God was with him. Here's the third lesson as we journey in the Death Valley. Very simply and profoundly, the Lord is with us. The Lord is with us. We do not walk alone. The journey is not just me, myself, and I. 
Now, I want you to notice that four times, four times in Genesis chapter 39, it says, the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with him. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with him. Despite his circumstances, God was with Joseph in the many twists and turns of his life. And the saga of Joseph's life is not over. Look at verse 6. So he left in Joseph's care everything he had with Joseph in charge. He did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Wow. Potiphar's biggest problem was the food he ate. Oh, to have those kind of problems. Now, this part of the story I can really relate to. Look at what it says. Now, Joseph was well-built and handsome. I can relate to that. Let's keep going. And, and after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. And as we read on, Joseph refused. But it says that she approached him day after day after day that's some pretty tough temptation and what did joseph do he said "Uh uh-uh you know why he said "Uh uh-uh because he was being transformed despite death valley he was choosing to allow god to transform his life and when temptation knocked on his door it did not trip him up what an incredible guy You know, when I get to heaven, I want to see Jesus because I love Jesus. And I look forward to some family members. But I can't wait to hang out with Joseph. And say, Joseph, you're an amazing... Now, you know, he's human. You're an amazing dude. I mean, do do you know, Joseph, your story has really, when I was on earth, really changed my life, gave me a perspective. I mean, just an amazing dude. Joseph did not waver compromise or succumb he said no 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 to the forward advance by this woman but you know what (sighs) keep reading that story or that that decision that when he said no got him in jail because this woman was not a good woman (laughs) so he lands up in jail But scripture records that even in jail, God was with Joseph, despite all of the trips throughout his life in Death Valley. Scripture, full, full of passages that remind us that we're not alone. They remind us that God is with us. Here's one, Isaiah 41, verse 10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Good news, huh? My favorite chapter in the Bible, Psalm 139. Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. You know what's going on with Bill McGinnis. 
Matthew 28, verse 20, the very words of Jesus Christ, some of the last words he spoke on this earth before he ascended to heaven, he said to the multitude of 500, he said, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Awesome. It was the summer of 2012. I don't know what was going on. There were a few circumstances, and we were getting ready to make a move to Conant, and I don't know if that was the issue, if it was a spiritual battle. I don't know. But I took a walk through Death Valley. About three months. I don't know what was going on. I was just trucking along, and, you know, things are, everything was good, and then Boom. And I literally spent weeks in the middle of the hot summer sitting on my patio just sitting. It was dark. It's lonely. I'm like, God, I don't feel anything. I don't feel you. I feel nothing. What's going on? It got so bad I went to the doctor. I said, what's going on? I confessed to my wife. I shared with a friend. I, I'm not feeling right. It was Death Valley. It's a dark season. And I wish I could say to you that I prayed and fasted. and God showed up on my patio in a big bright light and landed with, with... None of that happened. I just had to walk patiently and carefully one day at a time and the lesson I learned nothing profound but the lesson I learned is this the Lord is with me good days bad days really bad days the Lord is with me and despite how I feel or despite how I don't feel I am confident that I am not alone I'm confident that God is transforming me and helping me to be the man he wants me to be. And so many, many weeks ago, when I felt God leading me to share this word today, I asked the worship team if they would just share this song. I'm sure you've heard it on K-Love or Proclaim FM. But another reminder, you are not alone.
verse 4 Psalm 23 verse 4 Yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil for thou art with me Even when the way goes through death valley I am not afraid when you walk at my side Spoiler alert for next week 2009, God radically changed my role as a pastor. Because I read this passage in Matthew 24, and some of you know this. And it says that in the last days, many will fall away. Huh? Many will fall away. Yeah, that's what it says. It says that many who are followers, that's you and I, are going to fall away. And so everything changed for me as a pastor. I said, God, I'm going to do everything I I can do to keep those that I love dearly at Calvary from falling away, my family, my friends, my church family. So my teaching and my preaching and my counseling, everything changed because I want to do all that I can to keep you from falling away. The tipping point for many of us to falling away are our struggles our trials our pain our disappointment because we can't get it figured out in our head God why are you doing this to me what's happening and in the last days many will fall away so please be alert Be sober, be diligent, because the enemy prowls around seeking whom he can devour. He's after you. He's after your soul. He does not want your soul to thrive and to be transformed. So you and I are in this fight. We've got to fight. And it's my job to help you fight. So let's fight together. And let's not allow 
anything to keep us from falling away. Now, spoiler alert, but come back next week anyway, okay? Three more lessons that we'll learn about Death Valley. Would you bow your heads with me today? And so, God, we're so thankful to be reminded again that we're not alone, that you walk with us through Death Valley, through the darkest hours of our lives, you are there. And we pray that today, God, you would use Death Valley, you would use our circumstances, you would use our everyday affairs to help us to be transformed into the living people of God that you've destined us to be. Help us to develop our love relationship with you and to be more in love with you than anything or anyone else. I pray now that you keep your hand upon God, your children. Cover them, protect them, watch over them. May the power of the living God live within us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great day. Thanks for being with us this Sunday. Thank you.